today we have something new for everyone, a book party. We are thrilled and honored to welcome Norm Eisen to Big Tent. Norm is a true public servant. He founded Crew, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. He did so in 2001 after working on Bush v. Gore, an earlier election catastrophe, although as you will hear, it is dwarfed by what he thinks is coming. After serving as ethics czar for President Obama, Norm was ambassador to the Czech Republic, and he spent a year as special counsel to the Judiciary Committee, helping guide impeachment in the House and the trial in the Senate. I first met Norm when he was board chair of Crew, and was impressed then and continue to be impressed by his dedication to keeping politics fair and honest. Norm wrote his book, The Last Palace, which is basic, wrote the book, The Last Palace, which is basically a hundred year history of Europe as seen through the experiences of the occupants of a special house in Prague. And it's one of my favorite books. Norm is going to tell us about his brand new book, A Case for the American People, the United States v. Donald J. Trump. In the book, Norm gives a behind the scenes look at the impeachment process. He also explains what Trump has done since what is coming next and how to fight it. We'll have a Q&A following Norm's talk and please put your questions in the chat box and we'll get to as many as we can. Welcome Norm. Thank you, Sue. Uh, I deeply appreciate you having me uh, for this session of Big Tent USA to talk about uh, my book, <clears throat> A Case for the American People. Normally, uh, I uh, try to sell the book, but I see that everybody who signs up is getting one. So you'll know when I talk about the book, it's simply out of self-aggrandizement and not mercantile motives. Um, I, I loved, oh, and I, I also want to thank, I know I'm, uh, uh, I won't bore everyone. It's a terrible habit of ex-ambassadors to thank everyone in sight. It's part of, it's like warming up uh, before working out. But I do, I do have to thank uh, Susan Reynolds Lehman, also in addition to Sue, my friend Dave Thau, who helped facilitate my team at Brookings, who worked on the logistics, and all of you. And I'm going to tell you why, as we go through, why uh, uh, the gratitude I feel for this group uh, with uh, all that you are doing to help retrieve our democracy, because uh, it is on the brink. Um, the, I love the music, uh, that, that is, is that this is, that was the first Zoom out of all my, I've lived my life on Zoom for months now, and that's the first time that I have been welcomed to a Zoom call by music, and I thought the lyrics of the two songs that were playing just before we started, uh, were so apropos for what we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna talk about um, the um, recurring pattern of Trump's wrongdoing that we attempted to interdict when I served as co-special counsel uh, with um, the brilliant New York trial lawyer, Barry Burke, who was also my fellow special impeachment counsel for the House Judiciary Committee for our eventful impeachment year. Uh, the Russia scandal and the Ukraine scandal. We'll talk about how the uh, uh, how we didn't quite get there at first 
on impeaching the president, and then we were able to do so. But the book also talks about how the pattern has continued. Um, and uh, I'm going to argue to you, the book is called A Case for the American People, because it takes the form, it is a memoir, uh, it's a buddy story of uh, my uh, battle for justice side by side with my colleague Barry and with our wonderful colleagues across the entire Congress, the members of Congress, the brilliant members of the Judiciary Committee, the Intelligence Committee, uh, leadership of Chairman Schiff, Chairman Nadler, um, of the Speaker. Um, uh, but it, 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 it's a buddy story. I sometimes like to say uh, there's a human core to it. It's like a cross between uh, all the president's men as we hunt Trump's wrongdoing and the Blues Brothers because of all the chaos and laughter uh, along the way. Perhaps you should not laugh about such serious subjects, but it was, as we'll discuss tonight, it was the only way we could survive that crazy year. Um, but those two chapters, the pattern, I'm going to argue to you, as I argue in the book to the American people, the pattern has repeated itself with COVID. And the last chapter in the book explains, it might not seem the same thing, we're going to talk tonight about why it is the same thing, and then the book ends on a warning that Trump is about to commit the greatest high crime of them all. And I have no doubt, having seen the pattern, uh, it's a, an obsessive compulsion with Trump. And indeed, I trace it back to the beginning of his professional career in 1973. He's going to, there's a pattern of abuse of the law and obstruction covering it up that goes back to 1973. And he's about to try it again. He's openly signaling it um, with the coming election. And we're going to finish my little presentation Sue, I'll know when you wave your hands like the uh, air traffic guys that it's time for us to go to questions. I guess I should ask you, are we going to chat for about half an hour and then go to questions? Does that sound right, Sue? That sounds perfect. So um, um, uh, uh, he is going to do it again. He's signaling it. It's coming. And the book ends with that warning, but with talking about the lessons we've learned over the past almost four years. We can fight it and we can win. And above all, the book is a manual. That's why all of you are so important. I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end of my 30 minutes, which I've already managed to consume 10 minutes of without saying a thing. So you can see that my ambassadorial skills are still sharp. The ability to bloviate without it actually committing yourself to anything is the most important skill in the ambassador's toolkit. Um, the, um, the book tells the story, uh, a story that begins, and it may surprise some of you, really is a strange feeling not to have to sell copies, I must tell you. Uh, the book begins um, uh, uh, with an opening statement to the American people um, of why Trump represents uh, such a fundamental risk to our democracy. And I tried to address in writing that, not just the people who agree with me. And I'm just looking through the screens and I see uh, a number of friends. So I know there are many on, many on 
this call and who are part of Big Tent USA who agree with me about the threat. I tried to talk to the people who weren't yet persuaded. Um, my uh, wonderful publisher, um, who, who is of a similar bent to me, uh, said when we started working on the book, it was a sprint, 14 chapters in 14 weeks when I finished impeachment because I felt it was so urgent to talk to the American people. She, she told me about family members who had voted for Trump, who still had an open mind to Trump. And could we write a book that isn't the usual, but can we speak to them too? So I try to do that uh, in the book. And for that reason, I start with, the, with my own, believe it or not, my own uh, 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 openness to the possibilities of a Trump presidency. Now, I won't tell you I voted for him. I did not vote for him. I fought him tooth and nail. Uh, I was um, uh, uh, very active in a number of regards in doing that. But when he won, you may remember, not just me, but Hillary Clinton, uh, Bernie Sanders, and many others essentially said, um, Expect, expect the worst, but hope for the best. And my, I tried when I, when I wrote the book, I tried to put a surprise on every page. And the first surprise that you'll find in the book, I reveal all the details for the first time anywhere. The first surprise you'll find is that I was helping Donald Trump prepare to take the reins of office. And I tell the story in the book. Uh, I, I know the president. Uh, I have had uh, dinner with the president. I know some of you undoubtedly do as well. Uh, I know his daughter and son-in-law, uh, who I once considered to be reasonably good Democrats, and um, uh, have spent time with the family. And although he was not my choice, I felt it was my duty. And I described going to transition headquarters. Believe it or not, it, I know it will seem crazy to you. It seems crazy to me after all that has happened, but to go and help them develop an ethics program for the Trump administration. And I describe in the book uh, what those engagements were like. And the moment when my own uh, tolerance or hopes or open-mindedness uh, about Donald Trump ended, and that was when he announced he would be taking prohibited, foreign conflicted, foreign cash and other benefits from the same governments that the United States has so, so many connections to bristling with conflicts. And we have a word for that uh, um, besides bribes. The constitutional word is emoluments and it's forbidden. Accepting this foreign cash and even cash and benefits from domestic American governments uh, from states and localities is strictly forbidden because of the conflicts it creates for a president. It's the only ethics rule that is so important that the founders and the framers of the Constitution wrote it into that document. And I tell the story of my, uh, uh, of my amazement um, and uh, realization that the day that he was going to do that and how I, the, it was the first of hundreds of battles I have fought with the press to get that because the press took it seriously. He announced a plan. He was going to let his children manage his businesses 
and um, he was just gonna, no president had ever done this. He was keeping the financial interest. So I write in the book about that day and how I realized I was gonna have to flip the press and the secret weapon I used to flip the, the press. The press has been a hero. The book is full of heroes and villains, surprising heroes and villains. I never thought uh, when I was in the Obama administration that Mitt Romney would emerge as the great hero of an age, but Romney does emerge and I reveal my secret many secret conversations with Romney in the book to help him along the way during the Senate trial. One of the great heroes, by and large, of the era of Trump is the press. But as I saw that day, and it happened again and again, um, the, the, the press is not imperfect. The press can stumble. Uh, and um, you, you need to, and, and one of the most cataclysmic failures Oh, yes, I said I would say the, I would tell you the lyrics. This was one that jumped out at me. Um, let's see if I can find. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've done a lot of foolish things. This is from Sign Scene Delivered, which was playing. And it would be a good epigram for my book. And uh, another one of those heroes, Jim's, Jim Himes, Congressman Jim Himes, has just joined us. That's the first time I've ever seen him in a shirt without a collar, folks. And I consider him a friend. Hi, Mary. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the lyric that was playing that really uh, stuck out at me from Sign Sealed Delivered, I'm Yours. Yeah, I've done a lot of foolish things that I really didn't mean. I could be a broken man. Here I am, baby. And uh, uh, one of the great, uh, that could have been an epigram for the book, um, one of the foolish things that I did, but it was also an incredibly foolish failure by the press. They're heroes, but the, the book is full of imperfect, flawed heroes, um, was uh, to believe that the Mueller report would actually get a fair shake. I mean, I put my life on hold. Other people have far bigger problems. I persuaded Barry Burke, who I told you about, to move to DC, to leave his, part, his law partnership, to leave his family for a year, to come and work on this, because we believed that the, foolishly, we believed that we would get the Mueller report and Bob Mueller would say, we could see the evidence. Bob Mueller would say, oh yes, there were at least five obstruction crimes. And although I can't charge the president, Congress should, open impeachment proceedings, something like that. Instead, what we got was, and this is an indictment of the press, and this occupies the next big chunk of the book after, uh, after I uh, uh, begin my impeachment year in Congress in February uh, of 2019. Instead, we got Bill Barr holding back the Mueller report for critical weeks, putting forth his own lying spin and if Trump is the criminal in chief, Barr is the enabler in chief, putting his own line spin on the Mueller report, then uh, fooling the press, despite uh, my begging them, uh, don't fall for it, wait for the report, to only to be followed, and the press did fall for it, and we've never fully recovered, um, never fully recovered from Barr's evil but brilliant spin of the Mueller report. And folks, that's not me as a partisan Democrat talking. I'm paraphrasing a 
uh, Republican-appointed federal judge who said Barr's description of the report was misleading. Begging the press, this was their biggest single bauble of the entire, the entire impeachment year. Um, don't fall for it. Hold, reserve judgment. Uh, wait until you see the actual report. This can't be right. Here's five reasons it's wrong. And they all wrote what Barr says. No, we have to report what Barr says. Um, of course, when we got the report, it was very different. And then I, I had my second foolish thing that I, that I really didn't mean that could have left me a broken man. And that was my faith in Bob Mueller. I've known Bob Mueller for, for decades. I've worked closely with him when I was in the Obama administration. I had an FBI office when I was ambassador. Bob came to Prague at my invitation. We worked on a number of big uh, transnational criminal cases. Um, uh, I uh, uh, have visited him. We talked before he went off into the private sector. Uh, and I've known him for a very long time since I was a baby lawyer. And Bob, um, cruelly let us down in that Mueller report. And it is as if, Barry, when we read it, it is as if all the evidence is there of those five obstruction crimes. He laid out 10 possibilities and it's clear if you know Bob, you know Mullerese, you know how to read between the lines, it's clear that he thinks Trump committed five chargeable obstruction of justice offenses in having Don McGahn try to uh, get uh, the special counsel fired in order to interfere with the investigation for corrupt purposes, in having Corey Lewandowski uh, do the same thing when McGahn wouldn't act, in telling McGahn to create false documentation, to lie, uh, uh, including on paper, to cover that up, and in tampering with uh, witness tampering with Paul Manafort uh, successfully, Michael Cohen unsuccessfully, and now we know um, uh, Jim and I saw the redacted uh, uh, report has since been parts of it redacted that make it clear that uh, probably Roger Stone is as well. That's public now. Um, so um, uh, 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 Bob, but Bob laid it all out. He laid those five or more obstruction crimes out. All of the elements are met if you read the Mueller report, but he didn't say, therefore, the president committed an obstruction crime. And he left a space for Bill Barr to do his misleading spin. And when Will, Bill Barr lied and the people in Mueller's office, we heard about it right away uh, on the House Judiciary Committee immediately that the people in Mueller's office were very, very angry. Um, Bob wrote him a mild letter and then didn't take him to task. He didn't make any revelations. He let the lies linger in the air. He didn't correct it when he came to the judiciary or the intel committees to testify. He didn't put the president under oath. How could he not put the president under oath? The lies that the president told, and my book reveals the timing, the reason, new evidence, how we know that, that the, the president's um, Rick Gates told us, we interviewed, secretly interviewed Rick Gates during the impeachment year in judiciary. Rick Gates gave us the evidence that Trump was lying over and over again uh, in his written answers. Mueller never put him under oath as uh, uh, previous 
uh, special counsels, independent counsels, and other investigators have put presidents under oath, Clinton, Bush, to make sure that there was a consequence if they lied. It's a series of failures by, by Bob Mueller. And that left us in a, in, in, in a, um, in a position uh, uh, that as you reach the, uh, as you approach the midpoint of the book, uh, that left us in a curious position. Um, and, and it was this. The, um, between the Mueller report, the Mueller hearings, the work that uh, uh, the Judiciary Committee did, that the Intelligence Committee did, there are six committees who were Nancy, effectively, the committee chairs were Nancy Pelosi's cabinet on these issues. A majority of our Democratic caucus was in favor of at least an impeachment investigation, if not more. And those numbers went up substantially after the Mueller hearing. Um, uh, but we weren't, we had a majority of the caucus, but we didn't have all the caucus. And there's a scene in the book after the Mueller hearing where I, I talked to, to, uh, to Barry, my co-counsel, and he says, don't worry, Trump can't help himself. And that's why COVID has happened. And that's why this fourth great crisis of the Trump administration, the fourth big scandal is coming at us. He says he will do it again. And uh, you'll read in the book about our 10 secret articles of impeachment. We were tracking all of Trump's misconduct, but we didn't have the votes in Congress. Then Ukraine happened. Um, and uh, the Ukraine investigation turned out to be the alarm bell. The Ukraine activity turned out to be the alarm bell for the rest of the caucus, brilliantly led uh, by uh, Chairman Adam Schiff, Jim and his other colleagues on the, uh, uh, on the HIPSI, uh, the House Intelligence Committee. Um, and then coming back, you'll read in the book how we provided some behind the scenes assistance with that, uh, drafted the articles of impeachment with our colleagues um, uh, on the Intelligence Committee. Um, picked, we ended up with two out of those 10 articles, but if you read closely, now that I've revealed the full 10 for the first time, you'll see traces of all 10. We tried to pack, since I, since I was helping lead the drafting, I made sure to pack all of Trump's illegality into those two articles of impeachment. And it's the same pattern, friends. It's the same pattern, abuse of the law and, uh, and, and obstruction, covering, trying to cover up his illegal behavior. Uh, Ukraine was the same pattern. Russia, are you listening? And uh, Ukraine, can you do us a favor though? They're the same thing. It's the president conveying uh, uh, with complete disregard for his public duty um, that he uh, is trying to get a personal and political advantage interfering to unduly interfere in an American election. Um, and, of, and the reason for that, everyone on this call knows well, the book explains, adds new evidence, why when President then candidate Trump said in 2016, Russia, are you listening? He knew that there were more stolen emails in the possession of Russia and its proxies. And, and when he said, Ukraine, are you listening? Can you do us a favor though? He was trying to get a similar kind of interference to get Ukraine to attack um, Vice President Biden. He didn't even want 
an actual investigation. All he was asking for was the announcement of an investigation. It was such a patent interference in, in our election. A betrayal of duty, remember this pattern. A betrayal of duty, um, of his duty, uh, uh, radical selfishness, only his personal and political advantages matter, matters, no uh, matter the cost to the American people because that is the same pattern we're seeing in COVID. The book tells the story of how um, the uh, two committees, Intel and Judiciary, merged, uh, and uh, we had a brilliant uh, family partnership uh, led by uh, Chairman Schiff uh, and six House managers, including Chairman Nadler, five other managers, and all the behind the scenes that went into their brilliant performance on how we made the case in the Senate. And perhaps the most uh, important, I tried to put something new that was not known on every page of the book. I wanted people to be surprised. It's not a long book. Uh, I tried to make it some, one reviewer said the other day, it's a rollicking adventure, or it's like a mystery story, even though you know the ending. And I did, my priority was uh, to make it a good story, but also to be able to make the case to you, the case to the American people about this pattern, because he's done, and the most interesting thing, and I won't spoil it for you, it's full of surprises, uh, tributes. There's a, uh, 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 you'll, you'll see firsthand uh, behind the scenes, the brilliance of, uh, of Speaker Pelosi, Chairman Schiff, Chairman Nadler, the rest of the team, my co-counsel. Um, and when I talk about myself, I try to focus mostly on my mistakes, uh, since I call a lot of other people out for mistakes. Uh, um, I uh, am tough on the president. I'm tough on his lawyers, some of whom are very old friends of mine, who I think are not going to talk to me again after this book. Um, someone I, 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 I really admire and, and like uh, on the front page of the Washington Post Outlook section they printed on Sunday. Uh, an article that began with me called saying he lied because he did lie. How can I be tough on the press for not being clear enough in saying when people are lying? If I myself don't do it, I doubt that my friend Pat Philbin will ever talk to me again. Um, so you'll read uh, all. You'll read a lot of behind the scenes, uh, including my own mistakes uh, in the impeachment trial. I think the impeachment trial at bottom was a great success. And I will tell you why. I'll say a word about COVID, uh, a word about what's coming in uh, October and November, the worst high crime of all. In, I, I uh, as we say uh, in the intelligence world, I assess with a high degree of likelihood is coming in October and November. And then we'll take some questions. Um, the, I think the most interesting part of the book is the uh, behind the, my behind the scenes conversations. I mean, when as a, as, as a uh, civilian, do you ever get to go and live on the floor of the Senate and in the Democratic and Republican cloakroom? I was also welcomed. I have a bunch of Republican senatorial friends from my ambassadorial days who advanced my uh, my ambassadorship voted for me, whipped the vote, uh, came and saw me in Prague. We worked together on jobs, uh, bilateral jobs, creation, 
security issues and other things. So I was welcome everywhere. I do share those conversations. Uh, the most interesting to me are the ones with Mitt Romney as his thinking evolves. Um, so uh, I hope you'll, and they're fun conversations too. Uh, turns out I have much more in common with him than I would have imagined. So I hope you enjoy those as you all go along. I think the impeachment trial was a success and I will say why. Uh, and you'll have to judge for yourself if you look at the book first. Um, I believe that uh, these two scandals, Russia and Ukraine, uh, were like uh, alarms. I don't know about all of you. I need three alarms to wake up in the morning. Uh, so Russia was the first alarm. Ukraine was the second alarm. COVID has been the third alarm. And we need America to be awake because of the fourth scandal that's coming. So. Um, uh, we know that it penetrated even among Trump voters because by the end of the trial, we were getting polls that showed up to 75% of Americans thought that uh, the Senate should have heard witnesses or should hear from witnesses in the trial. There's a lot of back and forth with John Bolton, a uh, very senior uh, person in the Trump administration told me that the one man who could actually flip the trial uh, was Bolton. Uh, he's the, the one witness in this and his failure, his failure to show up and what that meant. We were negotiating up until the last minute. Um, uh, the negotiations um, uh, uh, were uh, ultimately unsuccessful. Um, my opinion is that Bolton didn't do it just to make a buck. He failed to cooperate because of what our founders and framers called in the Federalist Papers, factionalism, partisanship. He did not want to do anything to cooperate with a Democrat. Only if the majority Republican Senate issued a subpoena would he cooperate. And that is even more shameful than making a buck. It's even worse than greed, he knows better. Um, now that you know there were 10 articles, you know his claims that we were too narrow. Uh, first of all, the two articles that we passed through that passed through the House had pattern language in them, so he could have helped us with the pattern, but there were 10 articles. He knew the investigation was broader. He chose not to help. Shameful. Uh, he's a, uh, uh, if, if Mueller is the tragic hero of the book, and Bob is still a hero to me, just a tragic one who failed in multiple ways, uh, the tragic villains are uh, Bill Barr. And, uh, and John Bolton. Uh, and um, and the, so three alarms, we set the first two alarms. 75% of the American people wanted witnesses. And third, and I know Big Tint has done a lot of work on this, the Senate. These senatorial voters in Colorado and Maine are angry and many other states uh, those independents, and not to mention Democrats, are angry and motivated at the obvious betrayal that these uh, senators um, committed uh, by failing to uh, by failing to um, to do the right thing. It was so. I believe if we, you'll see in the book, uh, I why I believe if there had been a secret ballot there would have been 70 or more votes to convict President Trump. You'll have to read the book and judge for yourself if I'm right or wrong. Um, 
look at what the senators said. Look at Lamar Alexander. He said, we proved a quid pro quo, but it wasn't good enough for impeachment. Um, uh, we proved it by a mountain of evidence. L look, at, look at Marco Rubio. He said, well, not only did they prove a quid pro quo, they proved an impeachable offense, but we have the discretion not to proceed with an election a year away. So those are three of the reasons that, that I think the, uh, the impeachment was a success. Um, and I wanna turn to that first reason of the alarm because um, the book makes the argument that when COVID happened, the American people woke up and they saw this pattern. Remember, I said the pattern, the president betraying his duty, radically, selfishly uh, preferring his personal political interests over the interests of the American people, the national interest, um, and his, uh, his duties as president. And that is exactly how I describe the intentional choices. I lay out the evidence in the last chapter. He's not negligent or reckless on COVID. He intentionally chose for a key month when everything could have been different, when our country could have been set on the same path uh, as so many of our allies, um, he intentionally chose to minimize COVID uh, because he thought it was in his personal and political advantage. He made an intentional choice, gambling this time, not with American security, as in Russia, are you listening? Not with uh, international uh, security interests of the United States, as in the Ukraine case, but this time with American lives. And I make the case uh, in, in the book, you'll see if you're persuaded that this is the large pattern of Trump's entire life, but certainly of his presidency, that these are the three most important scandals, the three most important dots to connect, that there's not multiple Trump scandals, there's only one. In our House Judiciary impeachment hearing, the hearing where I questioned uh, uh, our, our expert constitutional scholars, Pam Carlin said, imagine if Donald Trump said, can you do us a favor though to an American governor? in a time of a disaster or crisis, not to a foreign leader. Guess what? The book details how he has said just that again and again to Democratic governors, to Democratic mayors, to blue places. It's the same pattern. It's not only the selfishness, it's the same pattern of quid pro quo that makes up the abuse of power. And it's the same obstruction, friends. It's lying constantly that uh, it's Obama's fault that the test didn't work, that everybody who can get a test that, uh, uh, who needs a test can get one, that COVID is going to, there's only a handful of cases going to go down to zero. The constant and incessant lies uh, are the hallmark of his obstruction, but not just that. Attacking inspectors general, he did that in the first two cases. He's done it again with COVID. Attacking whistleblowers, same thing. Refusal to cooperate with Congress, obstruction of Congress, same thing. The pattern is the same. And he has an obsessive, this is not this obsessive commitment to this pattern. The fact that he made that call to Ukraine within 24 hours of the Mueller hearing, he had just sent a nasty tweet about Chairman Nadler. And when he pivoted over to call Ukraine to do the same thing, he has a compulsion 
uh, to do wrong. It's uh, it's a clep. It's a form of a of sociopathy or of kleptomania. But the thing he wants to steal, ultimately, in all of these examples, uh, the thing he's stealing is the health of our democracy. And so I said I would spare a word. I've gone too long, but I will stay while people still have questions. So the the, the book explains at the very end. The book the book uh, points to. The, the coming crisis, and we've seen it accelerating in recent days. The, I assess with a high degree of likelihood, I've just finished uh, participating in the four bipartisan war games that some of you may have read about uh, that were conducted, um, uh, conducted by the Transition Integrity Project, where you had the most senior former Democratic and Republican officials um, from every different uh, part of government and campaigns. Uh, um, you had um, representatives uh, of all of the recent uh, Democratic and Republican presidential campaigns, administrations, uh, representatives of the media, non-governmental organizations, all of the stakeholders in an election dispute. Um, um, I was invited to participate because I was a lawyer in 2000 in the aftermath of the Florida de uh, 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 election debacle. And then I was lead counsel in the 2004 Ohio presidential recount, lead co-lead counsel. And we're, Trump is showing all the signs of doing the same thing. He's already challenging the validity of the election. Uh, claiming that mail-in ballots will lead to fraud in the face of no evidence, and despite the fact that him and all those around him have incessantly used mail-in ballots. He just floated a trial balloon that he wants to postpone the election. He's making wild uh, claims already that the count on election night must be frozen. Why is he saying that? Because of the so-called blue wave phenomena, where in a close election, the ballots that come in after election night for a variety of demographic reasons tend to be disproportionately democratic. And often we see these close races swing. Uh, the political scientists call it the blue wave. And on and on and on, he's limbering up. He has refused to say he'll accept the election results. Bill Barr, when he just appeared before the House Judiciary Committee, said the same thing. Um, he's got his enabler in chief, Bill Barr, at hand. He's already played with deploying secret police around the country. I am not an alarmist. You will read in the book that I fought impeachment for the first two years plus of the Trump administration. So we have to wait for the Mueller report. Um, uh, uh, and and I really um, I really am surprised at the place. And when I when I reached this conclusion in the first war game, and all of the experts did on both sides, I said, well, maybe maybe I'm being too too anxious. Uh, and then it happened in the second war game, in the third and the fourth, uh, the experts all assessing that Trump was going to make dramatic anti-democratic moves. The book is finally a blueprint for the things that work to fight back. 
to hold Trump accountable and the things that don't work. And as you read the book, I won't spoil it for you, but as you go along, uh, you should keep a scorecard because there is a playbook of things that we are going to have to do to hold Trump accountable. Uh, you'll see, for example, I'll give a couple away. You'll see, for example, the difference between the Russia, the way we dealt with the Russia scandal and swinging over to the Ukraine scandal was uh, we've got to move faster than Trump. We cannot let Trump define election night. He's already trying to do it. We have to make clear it no longer makes sense to even talk of election night. You have to speak of the election uh, season. Uh, it, it could take, it could be days before uh, the, the counts are completed. You have to be another critical part of the book is it teaches the, the failings, uh, what has worked and not worked to get the press to tell the truth. They don't set out to lie, but there's a set of biases uh, and uh, methodologies that Trump exploits uh, ruthlessly. So we've got to persuade the press now not to fall for Trump's tricks. You cannot afford to be patient in litigating with Trump. He will grind you to dust. We did that. We made that mistake in the Russia uh, portion of the investigation. Those cases, we're going to win them but we're gonna win them after November. Those cases are still uh, the, uh, going on to try to get impeachment evidence. Um, the, uh, the first big win was in the Supreme Court, but again, it's still moving slowly. The one exception is uh, the successful, you've gotta go right at them like, like Cy Vance did. And like we successfully did, we didn't fall for any of the tricks in Ukraine. And you've got to aim above all the speaker likes to say, there are those on the call who know this. She liked, there's wonderful speaker stories in the book. I think she is one of the great geniuses of the House of Representatives. You need to go back to, I'm a historian when I'm not doing lawyering. And my first book that's who talked about The Last Palace, a history book, you need to go back to the 19th century and speaker Blaine, James Blaine to find as protean a genius of the House as Nancy Pelosi. She likes to quote Lincoln. Sometimes she'll even point to a painting of the young Lincoln she has up in her large conference room and say, quoting Lincoln, with public sentiment, uh, all is possible. I may be paraphrasing ever so slightly. Um, that triumph of getting 75% of Americans, including uh, a, a majority of Trump voters, to say, yes, the Senate should have witnesses. We have to appeal above all to public sentiment. There's much, much, there's many more lessons in the book that can be drawn, but I've gone on far longer than I intended. Uh, and now with that, I am gonna turn it over to Sue uh, to moderate questions, or I can go into the chat as she prefers to take questions. Um, and um, I wanna thank you uh, for uh, letting me tell the story again. I always learn something when I talk about what's in the book. Uh, and so I appreciate your listening. And uh, thanks. This was sobering, enlightening, and entertaining. And I think everybody here is all excited to read your book, the people who haven't. And we really appreciate it. And keep up the great work. Thank you, Stu. Thanks, everybody. Thank Have a good night. Good night.